Hey, we're so glad that you have joined us today for Pathway Church Online. Uh, we're so excited to share this time with you each week. And my question to you is, how are you doing? I got to tell you, for me, week six of the stay at home has kind of been pretty much the same. I mean, I, I've kind of worked into um, a routine, a pattern of some kind with exercise and work and this kind of thing. I, I've been praying a lot for those on the front line, medical personnel, gov- personnel, government officials. Um, I've been praying that God would give them wisdom, give them strength, help them. Uh, I've been trying to stay as connected as I can uh, with those that are a part of our church family, Pathway Church family, through texting and video conferencing, Zoom, using that a lot, phone calls. Um, and in talking with a lot of you, uh, I, except for a few outliers who like this stay-at-home thing, I've noticed a shift in just about everyone's perspective. Uh, most of us are saying, or, or at least implying, we're done. I mean, we're, we're kind of saying, you know, we don't know when this is going to end. Um, we don't know what life will be like when this is over, but we are ready for something else other than this. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you just to take a few moments, push all of that aside so that we can be together, um, because we're so glad that you're here for part four of our GLOW series. I believe that God has given me some things to share with you today that could change your life. And I want you to engage with me and learn with me and grow with me today. You know, we've been talking about the Apostle John and and how much that he has written about the, the light of Jesus penetrating the darkness of our lives. And these are words, the thing that we fail to realize when we read John, the Gospel of John, the the narrative account, or even the letters of John that he was writing to Jesus' followers, the thing that we fail to realize and think about is the fact that, that this was a guy who spent loads of time with Jesus. I mean, John was one of the 12 disciples. In fact, he was one of the closest three disciples I mean, John, he walked with Jesus, he talked with Jesus, he ate with Jesus, he laughed with Jesus, he lived with Jesus, he followed Jesus, he experienced Jesus on a daily basis. John was there when Jesus healed people. John was there when Jesus loved people, when he taught people. John was there when he walked on water, when he fed the multitudes. John was there when Jesus showed his glory on the mountaintop. John was there when Jesus was arrested in the garden. John was there when Jesus was dying on the cross. John was the one that Jesus spoke to when he asked John to take care of his mother. John was there when Jesus was taken off the cross and buried in a tomb. John was there when Jesus had risen from the dead and he was standing among them. And it's his account of the life of Jesus. And in his letters that he wrote to Jesus' followers, John wrote about this light penetrating the darkness of our lives. And he included sayings that Jesus, statements that Jesus made. Like, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. 
He wrote down that, that Jesus said, I have come as a light to shine in the dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. And, and then John challenges us. He writes in 1 John, the letter that he wrote to Jesus' followers, 1 John chapter 1, this is the message we heard from Jesus. And now we declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. And we've talked about this relationship with God over the last couple of weeks, but, but now we step into 1 John chapter 2. And John changes the focus, and I, I want to teach this today uh, just a little bit. He changes the focus as he writes. He says this in verse 7. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. The old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. So, so John goes all the way back to Moses and the Old Testament law, specifically Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where God tells the Jews to love your neighbor as yourself. And then John unpacks this in verse 9. He says, If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Now listen, if you are not a follower of Jesus and you're watching this broadcast, you, you can take a pass on this. This part is not for you. You kind of get to look on the inside of what is required of those who follow Jesus. But for those of us who claim that we are living in the light, for those of us who claim to be Jesus followers, if you don't see other Jesus followers the way God does, then he's not in control of your heart. Then you are walking in darkness. And most of us think of hate, it's a pretty strong term, we think of hate uh, as an active, hostile expression. But this word hate is translated from a Greek word, a very unique Greek word, meseo, which it, it means, it can pretty much mean the same thing as our English word does in its harshest tones. But the original Greek, it also shows that, that it can mean something else. It, it can mean to disregard or to value less. I like this one, to love less. You ask the question, love less of what? To love less than someone or something else. Remember, John is focusing on other Jesus followers. So you have to ask the question, I ask myself this question, what do you love more than other Jesus followers? What do you value over other Jesus followers? What do you put before encouraging and caring for and being there for other Jesus followers? John continues expanding on this. In verse 10, he says, Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the, in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. What he's saying is love is the evidence of light. Hate is the evidence of darkness. And hate leads you to where you get lost where you don't want to go. 
only damaging yourself and everyone around you. In fact, in verse 11, John says, such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Blinded by the darkness. And if we continue to live this way, our vision will be impaired. It will be clouded. And we ultimately come to the place where we can no longer respond. We no longer see. We become so blinded to those around us that our hearts become hardened. John wanted to make sure that we understand that this is not optional. In John, 1 John 3, he says, this is the teaching you have heard. Remember this? This is what you have heard. He says, we must love each other. But see, I don't think that John was just thinking back to the Old Testament law. I think that John was also remembering something that Jesus said. In John 13, he records it. Jesus said these words, I give you a new command, love each other. Jesus says, you must love each other as I have loved you. Jesus calls this commandment new, which again comes from an original Greek word. If you don't know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek and then translated for us into English. This Greek word for this word new is is the word kahinos, which means fresh. It was a new way, a new standard based on loving each other as Jesus loves us. Now, obviously, Jesus is talking about how he had loved them while he was you know, with them and had been with them for several years. He had lived with them, and he was talking about that. And when you think about the 12 disciples, I mean, it wasn't always the easiest bunch to love. I mean, you think about Peter, for instance, it seems like he was always saying things or doing things that were very irrational. James and John at one time asked, them, asked Jesus rather to make them second in command in his kingdom. Thomas was always doubting. And then you have Judas, who was very questionable, even stealing from their money. Several times Jesus said about this bunch of guys that he had put together, he he would say things like, what am I going to do with you? (laughs) He would say things like, why are you acting this way? Why don't you have faith? They weren't the easiest bunch to love. But Jesus loved them anyway. But see, I don't think that that's all that Jesus was referring to when he said, you must love each other as I have loved you. No, there was something more to this. How had Jesus loved them? Well, you got to back up to the context of this account to to really get the idea. I always back up in context. When I'm looking at a passage of scripture, I always back up in context to get a better understanding of it. And when you back up in John 13, you begin to see what Jesus is talking about because you see what happened. Take a look at John 13, 1. Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He, Jesus, had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I love this passage. Jesus loved them while he was with them, and now he's going to love them even more all the way to the end, so much that they probably wouldn't even understand it. They they had gathered, this this whole passage, John 13, they had gathered 
to celebrate Passover together. You, you kind of know the story. If you know the Gospels, the other Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about how the 12 disciples had gathered together to celebrate Passover in the upper room. And as was the custom of the day, they were reclining around a low table. They didn't pull up a chair to a table like we do, but in their culture, they would recline, they would lounge at a, a low table. And so there was one really necessary thing that had to take place before dinner. They needed to wash their feet because most of them went barefoot or the, you know, the open toe sandal thing. And so their feet were really dirty. And so in order for a dinner to be pleasant, you wanted them to at least have washed their feet. And usually households would provide a servant to do this, but nobody had done that in this situation in John 13. And so in verse 5, we're told that Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. This is the fresh take that Jesus was talking about. This is the new standard. This is the newness of the old commandment. An amazing act of love. Loving each other demonstrated through serving. Huh. And then after washing their feet, it says that Jesus put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked them a question. Look at this question. Do you understand what I was doing? Guys, are you paying attention? Do, do you see? Have you, have, you, have you grasped what I have just done for you? He says, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Notice what he says here. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. In that same setting, same environment, same room, same conversation at the dinner table, same environment, only moments later, Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love each other. You must love each other as I have loved you. Hmm. So have you connected the dots? I mean, do you see it? Jesus calls his followers. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's calling you today. Jesus calls his followers to love each other by serving each other. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to love by serving. And then Jesus says that if we get this right, all people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. I mean, he's saying this is what it looks like to be one of my followers. It's, it's not about you know, how long you've been going to church. It's not how many Bible verses you can quote. It's not the size of your Bible or the amount of your giving. It's not the length of your prayers or the hours that you have served. It's not the way you dress or the way you talk. Your love for each other shows people that you follow Jesus. Everybody will know because of your love for each other. We're going to talk more about this next week, so I hope you come back for part five. But, but Jesus is saying, 
you know, that he is the light of the world, I am the light of the world, and now he's shifting and he's saying, you are the light of the world, so shine. But for today, Jesus says, your love for each other is evidence that you follow me. It proves everything. Your love for each other changes everything. That's the goal. Don't, Don't just know it, but show it. And the way that we do that, Jesus made it very clear, the way that we do that is we love each other by serving each other. And it, it's easy to talk about loving each other. I mean, think about it. It's, it's, it's easy to talk about having love for each other. I mean, I say it all the time. I love you guys. We, you know, we love you. We're praying for you. I say this all the time. But actually loving each other through serving, oh man, this is where it gets hard. For me, this is where it gets hard. I don't know about you. Because I'm way too focused on me. I, I, I struggle with this. I, I am not aware of those around me as much as I should be. I have blinders on. I, I need to get my eyes solely off of me and onto those that are around me. The Apostle Paul challenges me a couple of different passages that I'm going to share with you as we wrap off today. But this one in Philippians chapter 2 challenges me so much, and I hope that it does the same thing for you, because we both need to grow. Paul says, don't be selfish. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. I could stop right there, and man, I could work on that for like a year. To, to not think of, of myself, to think of others as better than myself. Look what he says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others. And then he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I don't know about you, but I'm realizing that Jesus wants to strip away self from my life. That's what he's working on in me. Life is a process that Jesus uses to, to strip me of self, my, my self-focus, my self-trust, my self-pursuits, layer by layer by layer, day by day by day. Jesus wants to strip away all of this self stuff in my life. Because if I'm full of me, then I'm too full for anyone else. And that's a very lonely life to live. See, Jesus knows that when I focus my life on God and others, I experience all that I'm searching for. Paul also writes something in 1 Corinthians 13, and you probably have heard this passage before, but I don't know if you've heard it from the message paraphrase, and this is where I wanted to read it to you. And I I just want, what I did this week is I just, I read it and I slowed down and I paused and I slowed down enough to, to let it soak in. That's what I want you to do. Look what Paul says. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I am nothing. 
If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. If I am a follower of Jesus, it's going to show up in my love for others. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm going to have a heart for those who are around me, those who are a part of my life. My love, your love, will be displayed. And how it will be displayed is by serving them. And right now, for us, in this whole stay-at-home thing, how do we do this? I mean, that's the question I asked just yesterday is, okay, God, how do we do this? We're, because of COVID-19, we're, we're all staying at home. We're not going to work. We're, we're not doing our regular things in life. We're all at home. So how do we how do, we do this? We're not even going to church in, on a campus. And so how do we do this loving each other? I, I, I've been asking that question, where does this start? How does this start? I think it starts right at home. I mean, that's the place we can start right now, today. It starts right at home with those around us. Just like John says in 1 John 3, we should love not only with words and talk, but but by our actions and true caring. Friends, we are called to love each other by serving each other. Jesus calls us to enter in the, the mess of genuinely loving each other by serving each other.